Grace to you and peace from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. In contemporary terms, the uh, disciples were interested in spiritual growth. They had heard Jesus call to them uh, individually, follow me, and uh, they dropped their nets, they left their, uh, their tax booths, they, they left their work, they followed Jesus and uh, put in the time and put in the effort, put in the intellectual discipline to uh, see what this itinerant rabbi was about. Maybe in responding to his miracles and his healings, they felt something within them stirred that to confirm this really is an extraordinary person that I am following. That I can feel his authority, I can feel his power, I can feel the depth of his compassion. And so that when Jesus started saying, the Father and I are one, I'm the son of man, which was code language for I'm the one whom God has anointed and has sent and is sent for the breaking in of, of God in the, in the world and in Israel's history in a, in a new way, the embodiment of God, they would respond within themselves, yes, I think he is. I think he is. Could it be that I am in the presence of the anointed one, the Christ, the Messiah, the one foretold and the one so desperately needed in, in this time, in our time, and you can imagine how their spirits grew and expanded. How they came to be uh, spiritual beings that inhabited bodies, perhaps, rather than the other way around. Bodies that had flickers of spiritual life within them now and then, and maybe weak or, uh, or seasonal or something like that. They, they became more divine vessels, as it were, for the presence of God. And so in this episode that Nancy read for us uh, comes up, uh, they are really interested in what Jesus is saying. The tone of what he's been talking about uh, has changed after uh, a season of, uh, of ministering to people and uh, restoring sight to the blind and hearing to the deaf and speech to the dumb bringing some back to life even uh, from fevers and from uh, apparent deaths and from the real thing, from death itself. Jesus starts talking about uh, his suffering. The Son of Man must suffer and be handed over to, uh, to the chief priests and, and die and be raised again on the third day. He, he starts talking in these, these disturbing ways and, and maybe the Maybe the disclosure is so, so alarming that they, that they can't take it. We're like that, aren't we? They go into a doctor's office and, uh, and, uh, and the doctor comes and says, well, I have the report. Um, I'm going to have to cut your foot off. And, and then he goes on and keeps talking. We don't hear anything after the doctor has said, we're going to have to cut your foot off or something like that, maybe less alarming. We're not equipped to be shocked like that. And so we push back and, uh, and, and, we, and we think about other things and, we, and we, try to, we try to have faith in our reactions and, and maybe that's what Peter was, was doing and saying, no, no, that, that can't be so. Rabbi, Rabbi, you're, you're the leader, you're the strong one, you're the authority. 
I know within myself that you're the anointed one, and God himself in our midst, Emmanuel. It can't be so. And then that, that, that exchange, that's always intriguing to me, isn't it to you? Jesus, or Peter tries to say, I'm, I'm, I've got your back here, Jesus. No, we won't let that happen, and you don't need to do that. You don't need to suffer. We have in mind another kind of anointed one, another kind of uh, hero, another kind of power. Um, <laughs> a suffering thing. We, we've had enough of that, and you surely don't need to do that. It's a chance for Jesus to say, and maybe that's in his response, maybe for Jesus to say, you know, Peter, you're right. You're right. You, you, you know the ways of the world a lot more, and God knows I've suffered enough, you know, already in what I've done in my life and even in being a rabbi and a teacher. And I think you're right. I could do a lot more good if I lived to an advanced age and imparted wisdom and imparted more and more of my humanness, my human presence to more and more people. I could go on tour, several tours maybe. And I know you guys would keep me safe. You could be my God bodyguards. It was a chance for Jesus to choose that. Maybe that's why his rebuke, that's the word that Nancy read, his rebuke of Peter was so strong and say, get thee behind me, Satan. He didn't say, get thee behind me, Pete. He didn't say, ah, come on, let's, uh, you know, I said, I'm going to say what I'm going to say. This is my show. You know, just be quiet now. No, he said, get thee behind me, Satan, which makes it a spiritual exchange. There is in Peter's spirit, the spirit of denial or maybe, maybe ignorance or maybe just short-sightedness or in his spirit, the avoidance of suffering. Maybe that's where Peter was speaking from. Don't we all have that? I got it. Man, you know, and it was, uh, it was 12 below zero yesterday morning. Uh, and uh, I didn't want to go outside. Maida said, oh, my little car is all covered with ice and snow. And she said, no lie, she said this, I never would have let it get like that. <laughs> and I think she said, you should go out and clean it off, but... <laughs> I didn't hear that. I think I said, oh, it'll be all right. What I really meant was, I don't want to suffer out there when it's minus 12. That's kind of a little example, but you don't have to go very far to think about all the ways that we have suffered and the things that we avoid. Gospels are good news. We just said that. We proclaimed it. We, uh, we know at the end of the sermon is going to have a lift. It's going to be good because that's what we know and what we proclaim in church. But in Lent, in Lent we have the courage and the call. We have the necessity to, uh, to wander into suffering. And we're led by none other than Jesus. Son of God, Son of Man. 
person of authority, resource of love, justice and goodness, all the things that, that we have come to know and expect in the person of God. And yet he chooses suffering. The Son of Man will suffer and die. Therefore, we're invited into suffering ourselves. Vicariously, as we suffer with Jesus and his story in Lent, going toward what we know is Holy Week, the events that, that he seems to choose again and again that lead him to his arrest, his trial, his torture, his execution, his execution on a cross, crucifixion. What a horrible, horrible way to die. And yet we get the sense that he is choosing that, he's allowing that, that he is entering into suffering. And so it invites us to say, why? Why would he do that? Just to stir within us, say, a compassion, not bad, <clears throat> just to uh, just to say that well, if, if Jesus has, has done that, then that means that everything that I might go through is something that, and he knows the trouble I've seen. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. But maybe if we just stay with this place and this zone and Jesus' rebuke, he is struggling in himself to embrace the suffering. To say what God allows in his life is something that, that can have value and something that maybe even is an opportunity for him to grow spiritually. And we're back at something so simple that Jesus leads the way. He is a teacher, he is a savior who leads the way. And when he says, follow me, way back at the easy stuff, celebration of water and to wine, and ah, look at that guy, he couldn't see, now he can. This is really good. We keep following him into some of the really tough stuff. <laughs> the suffering that we witness and the suffering that we avoid in the suffering that seems to own and dominate us. Ah, there we are. There we are. Because ironically, suffering in our lives, maybe especially in our lives in the 21st century, has a power over us in our desire to avoid it. In our... Avoidance of going out when it's minus 12 to scrape the windows of a car. In our avoidance to, let's get a little more personal, our avoidance to care for the sick and the dying in our midst. Can't handle that. That's just, it's just too disturbing. It just, it just doesn't make me feel good. I don't like it. And our willingness to fast. That's where the tradition comes and why it comes into our, our life in Lent. Should we choose so-called to do that? 
It's not just to lose some pounds. It's not just to save some money. It's to know the suffering of a fast. If we give up food, if we give up sleep, if we fast in our sleeping, if we fast in some of the pleasures that we have given ourselves in indulging. Okay, I'll never give up chocolate, though. Well, maybe that's what ought to be given up for a while because of the suffering in it. You fill in the blank yourself. And in that, to feel the, the power that uh, the avoidance of suffering has in our lives, to come to terms with it, to, to face it, and to uh, realize I am not as strong as I thought I was. Things are not in as much control as I, I hoped or imagined they would be. And when I play the keys on the organ of my life without the sound on, I think, oh, that's pretty, pretty good, pretty good. Until I turn the sound on and, well, that doesn't sound good at all. Just turn it off again and avoid that altogether. You're with me? Jesus, in his rebuke of Satan, is saying, it's the adversary that wants you to avoid suffering and the opportunity is there. That's what Satan means. And as you get behind me, Satan, as you get out of my way, as I am intent on choosing this path, you, Peter, understand that. You, Peter, if you would be spiritually whole and well, follow me. Of course, the, the big thing that Jesus learned, and we say this again and again, it really is the good news, is that God had his back. That he did not go through that suffering alone. And through it all, he felt the leading of God. And in the midst of it, he felt the, the presence of God. Even, even what he said from the cross, Psalm 22, God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The cries of dereliction of someone who feels completely abandoned. But if you know and you read the psalm as, as Jesus had in his mind, he was, he was speaking that out of what his body felt, but his spirit, his strong spirit, his soul, the place where spiritual growth had happened in his life, followed the psalm until as you follow the psalm, it ends in praise. It ends in a declaration of, I know that you are strong. I know that you are faithful, Lord God. I know that you have not and will not abandon me. That's why it's in the gospel. And that's the invitation as we allow suffering into our lives. That perhaps unlike the culture that flees the suffering especially this is where the cross thing comes in take up your cross and follow me 
Suffering on behalf of another person, that's what a cross is. That's what Jesus did when he took up the cross. He suffered on the cross on behalf of me and you and the whole world, the culture. As we consent to do that, as we choose to do that, we find that God is faithful. We find that he is our shield and strength, the way we sang in As the Deer. We find that we grow in deep places and become more spiritual, healthy, and whole. And as God has intended all along, more alive. We're going to um, use Psalm 42 now. Don's going to come and lead it. It's 804. You recognize some of the things I've been talking about. And it's there we're going to use it because it probably is the articulation of countless people who have thirsted for God whose souls have been dry. Maybe a lot of them have entered Lent with that condition and not even been aware of it, but as they have spent some time and invested themselves in the journey of Lent, they realized that they were parched. That there are other things in control of their lives, like avoiding suffering, and things they hadn't even considered, like, suffering for the sake of another person then realizing that in themselves they didn't have the volition or the resources to do that but knowing that if they did that God was going to be there and he was their strength and their shield 804 our musical response goes like this (laughs) 